the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon to you. This is the Good News Show. Every Monday at this time, we come on uh, live with you and let you know what's going on here in North Texas. Good stuff and things that you need to know about. This is January. Can you believe it's been a month since since Christmas? I know. What yeah, happened? One month since Christmas. Uh, it's... Uh, but anyways, welcome, January 25th. It is the Feast of the, uh, yeah, Olivia knows. Conversion yeah, con- of St. Paul. Conversion of St. Mm-hmm. Paul Apostle. So this is a big day in the, the liturgical calendar. It's also the third week of Ordinary Time. And uh, Olivia Franklin always joins us during car raffle season. Cecil here every Monday, <laughs> God willing. Good good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. All right, I've got a lot to pack in the first 15 minutes. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you that in the uh, the second half of the program today, since it is the fourth Monday of the month, we have uh, one-time professor of philosophy and then provost, and now president-elect? Is that, is that I guess, is that not, not, not elect. He's, he's the new president, newly appointed. I don't think he's taken over as president yet, but uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford, he is rising through the ranks, and uh, he's, a, he's a great guy, and he comes in uh, faithfully every fourth Monday, and he always has a guest uh, that he uh, shares uh, the, the time with, and I asked him, I said, well, we got to talk about the news from UD, you're you're the new president. And he said, oh, yeah, sure, that seems like a timely thing to talk about. So he's going to join us. You can hear from the uh, the new, not, not elected, appointed, I guess it's like the board of trustees or who, yeah, who, who decides. A, I have no they, idea. They didn't ask me. I mean, I, I, It was definitely, they said, okay, Dave Palmer gets to decide. He gets to vote. <laughs> I would have picked is, you, Cecil. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. was the deciding. You know, you you elected him. I'm the one who voted, you know. Yeah, I have, I have a master's degree there. I might have just picked my, myself for that. Uh, but <laughs> hey, also, and I wish we had more time to talk about this, but we have such a packed show that we don't. Um, you may or may not be aware that uh, there's a petition that's going around uh, from a graduate of the University of Dallas, class of 1985. Her name is Bethany Beeler, and she, ident- she uh, identifies herself as a trans woman. Well, she took umbrage at a post that the um, Dr. David Upham, who I've known for decades before he got married, and he's the chair of the uh, UD Political Philosophy Department, and he wrote on social media something that I felt to be straightforward and j- just honest, according to Catholic teaching, about the newly appointed assistant health secretary who um, calls calls himself Dr. Rachel Levine. And uh, Dr. Upham just pointed out that, you know, this this was a, a man, this is a man, uh, born Richard Levine. He, he was married, he fathered two children, and now he wants to be called a woman. And uh, President Biden has appointed him, a, him as assistant health secretary. So Dr. Upham clearly pointed out what you're really not allowed to talk about anymore, and that is the inconsistencies with gender and when you know men want to be called women and identify as women. And, and now there's a petition going around uh, to try to get him removed from the university. 
be. And there's a counter petition, petition which, you know, I have a, a master's degree from UD, so I will sign and, and say, no, I, I think that Dr. Upham has a right to express his... The truth. Now, yeah, not only his opinion, it's just the truth, and he was bold enough to do it. So, uh, again, not a lot of time to talk about it, but uh, pray for him, and um, if you have any involvement in the UD um, uh, community, you might consider uh, supporting him as well, because I think he needs to have the right to express what, you know, the the, the truths of natural law and, and uh, our faith, and common sense and he's 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 getting knocked down or they're, they're trying to knock him out of his job that's just the beginning of a of a lot of this kind of thing because the new secretary of education is a trans uh i always get confused anyway it's a man but who's presenting as, as a, woman. a woman yeah yeah and and of course it's not just dressing that way it's they're truly trying to change what you were born with and we know you can't do that in a healthy way either psychologically or biologically and and so we have to take a stand about the truth is the truth that you can call it what you want you can call a chair a pizza it doesn't make it one mm-hmm. yeah boy i wish you could do that because i i could be eating all the, <laughs> all the all the chairs everywhere I'd, i i'd never have to go out to lunch anymore i just eat all the chairs in the Where office that, that would be so nice all right so uh anyways uh, i have uh, the email that was sent to me that has all the details don't have time to get into the whole thing i've read dr optum's post i didn't see anything offensive about it and if you want to see this you can just email me directly and i can forward it to you, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. So, so pray about that situation. All right, uh, coming up, uh, uh, Dr. Sanford in the second half of the hour, along with his guest, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Lehman, who is with the Classical Studies Department. I think that's what they're going to talk about. Um, let me see. Uh, Liberal Arts and Catholic Education. He's Professor of Humanities and Graduate Director of Classical Education. Also coming up in a few minutes here, Cheryl Mansour is going to be with us, and she is Vice President of Development at the Catholic Foundation, and she's going to be talking about a end-of-life free webinar series that begins next Monday, uh, hosted by the Catholic Foundation, with some great uh, speakers who will tell you all about during her segment. Uh, but other than that, talk about the car raffle, which is our, our favorite topic uh, oh, yes. during the, uh, uh, the the months of January and February. It's going well so far. All three of us it were is. out at parishes, different parishes, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so let me just kind of go through these uh, one at a time. All Saints Fort Worth, uh, Rob Bro went out there. Funny, cool story about that. A gentleman, so he sold a lot of tickets, and so thanks to all the folks out there at All Saints Fort Worth. A gentleman came up to him and said he wanted a bumper sticker. And, and he, you know, of course, bumper stickers are free. And he gave Rob four pennies. Four pennies. And he said, I just want to make this donation to the... Uh, and, and Rob said that that might have been all he had, you know, uh, at the time. Mm. But isn't that cool? Yes. So I've got the four pennies. Yeah. And uh, with permission from, you know, I, I want to I keep one of them on my desk and just say, you know what, this is a, mm. a reminder that some people just... It's like the, the widow's might, you know. Exactly. That might, that might have been all, all he had. Are you sure they're not uh, some sort of... Uh, historically significant penny. You better check the oh, date yeah. on them. Sell them for like $100,000 well, or I mean, something. You never yeah, know I, they look like ordinary uh, okay. pennies to me. It's still a good story. Yeah. It's a great story. Uh, St. Michael's Bedford, you and I both were out there. Yes. Uh, what were your thoughts? What were your uh, uh, well, two takeaways? This is what I want to say. I want to thank Sarah Messicar. She was so gracious and helpful to me. 
as were Father B, Father James, Deacon Tom, and Deacon Harry. Mm-hmm. And then it was a wonderful experience. I really enjoyed it. Of course, I did the Saturday evening and then the first of the Sunday, the second of the Sunday, and the third of the Sunday Masses. And I had a lovely time meeting the parishioners there and uh, very good sales. They're, they're very active Catholics, and they love and support Catholic Radio. So Yeah, yeah, and great. I had a, a gentleman come up at uh, the, the, the late Mass yesterday, and he had just a, a fabulous testimony, really, really interesting. I won't get into the details, but he's coming in Thursday to record an interview, an oh, interview of the week, because I said, your story's too good. Yeah. It involves Catholic radio. It involves a lot, but it's coming back to the church. Oh, not, not, he's a convert, uh, but uh, almost like a, like a St. Paul type of moment right. uh, where, you know, they, 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 the, what do they say? The scales fell. Yes. But, oh, I love uh, how that uh, comes uh, out of our visits. Yeah, mm-hmm. on, on, yeah. That, on that feast day. Okay, so also, yeah. uh, and so Father B, thank you so much. I had a chance to visit with him a little bit as well uh, from St. Michael's and uh, Father Jim Gelati, one of my favorite priests <laughs> at St. Andrew's. You got to go there. I did. I got to go there for their 10.30 and 12.30 Mass on Sunday, and my goodness, they are so welp- uh, welcoming. For Father John did the first Mass, and he had remembered from last year when I told him that my name rhymed with whistle. He was like, I remember that. Anderson, uh, and whistle? Yeah. Uh, that didn't rhyme. Oh, sizzle part. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so he was very, very kind. Um, I had a lot of, you know, help get setting up, and then afterwards, between the Masses, usually, you know, you just gotta go find it, go back to your car and hang out for a little bit, or go to the Adoration Chapel and try to reorganize stuff, um, and Father uh, Jim Gelati came in and he goes oh and he bought some tickets and he goes would you like to come to our office and get a cup of coffee you can relax in there and he yeah. was so sweet he set me up in there got me coffee and then he walked down and he comes back oh here's a magazine if you get bored and he was just like <laughs> yeah. it was so kind of these him. guys have so much in their minds they're running mm. a parish they've got everybody wants to talk to them and for them to take any time uh, to talk to us or, you know, you know much less buy tickets. Right. I mean, that, that, that just is above and beyond. It really so. was. It really uh, was. We have a promo video for Guadalupe Radio Network uh, that Father Jim Gelati is in and uh, Olivia is in, because I remember because <laughs> you had your big Lenten ashes on. Uh, <laughs> At and, the Carmelites. Yeah. yeah and so uh, that, that, that was uh, really great. But yeah, he's been supportive for so long. So the other parish we went to is St. Elizabeth Anseton Parish in Plano. Uh, the pastor father, Bruce Bradley. Do y'all remember the, what I always say about father Bruce Bradley? Uh, I, oh, uh, no. Oh, okay. I, so the funny thing is you, you have something to say, but the, he was a former, uh, pastor at Mary Immaculate years yeah. ago when he was my grandmother when my grandmother was in the hospital and he and I remember meeting him it was probably my first interaction with the Catholic priest yeah. and I had really good memories with him so. he was there also because uh, Steve Gleason went out there mm. and Steve's at St. Michael uh, McKinney and uh, Father Bruce used to be over oh. at St. Michael McKinney so of course they, they bounced uh, around okay. but the, the story is uh, you know when I the very first moment I got into Catholic radio we didn't have a station and uh, I was hired and I didn't know anybody and so I, I was one day, I was going to Ireland for a couple of weeks, right? And I, when I came back, the next day I was going to start my job. So I, I, I wisely decided to just send an email out to all the priests. Hey, I'm, I'll be gone. I'll be coming back this date. I'd love to talk to you about Catholic Radio. Let me know if you have any time, right? So I sent it out to a lot of them. And I came back, and Father Bruce Bradley had responded and said, I'd love to meet you, and why don't we have lunch with Pat Martin, who at the time was at the seminary. And so he was really the first priest that mm-hmm. ever that ever 
you know, you know, said, "Hey, Wonderful. I'm interested." And so, anyways, he, he a great guy, and so thanks Got to him. Got you your start in a way. <laughs> yeah, because you need you need something. You know, yeah. you just kind of get going. And yeah. also, uh, Catholic Foundation. I always tell that story as well. With uh, Ed Schaffler was very kind as well. All right, uh, Aaron Fowler is the uh, head of Birth Choice, and he bought five tickets at one of our remotes last week, and uh, he wants to give them away. Okay, so if anybody uh, calls him or contacts him at Birth Choice, I don't have the phone number, and you just get a tour, he wants to give you a car raffle ticket. Yeah, that's worth $25. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he said he has, nobody's taken up on it yet, so I should have got his phone number, but you go look up, look up Birth Choice and call Aaron Fowler and say, hey, I'll, I'll come and I want to get a tour. You don't, you don't have to buy anything. You just go and get a tour. That'll be fun in and of itself and informative. And he'll give you a car raffle ticket. Okay, so uh, Olivia is busily uh, looking that up. All right, we have a live remote uh, today. We do. I'm excited. And uh, it's going to be a Little Angels Catholic store in Capel. Elva uh, is uh, the, the owner over there. And we're very thankful for her. El- Elva Isley and Greg Isley. And it's going to be from five to six. And if you call in during that hour and buy uh, a group of five raffle tickets for uh, five, I'm <laughs> for one hundred dollars, you get a chance to win this cool Saint Joseph statue. Yes. And then everybody who it's gets beautiful. the five for a hundred during that hour is going to uh, get a novena to Saint Joseph, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's really really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and it's perfect. You're Saint Joseph. Get yeah. stock up on your Saint Joseph stuff right now. It's a great opportunity. She was going to try to get the uh, Father Donald Calloway books uh, for everybody, but they're, 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 you can't they're so get, scarce. You, right you can't now. get them. I mean, it's it, it, it's <laughs> like you, you just can't get them. And so five to six tonight. I think all three of us are going to be out there. And so come Very by. Very much looking forward to it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as you're coming home from work, stop by. We, we It's always fun to see in person, but you can call if you want to. I will be giving out my cell phone number at that time. Uh, if you want to plan the call, 972-757-2990. And uh, all right, this weekend we're going to be at six parishes. Oh, my. <laughs> including the, 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 big, the big daddy of, of the parishes. And I yes. will say, I hope somebody else competes with them, but St. Yes. Philip Louisville Every year for the past five, six years has been, this is just facts, mm-hmm. the, the number one parish with ticket sales. No pressure, Cecil. I know, okay? no pressure at all. Yeah, so I'm going to be there all weekend. So please, if you're a St. Philip parishioner, you're in the area, stop by. I'd love to sell you some raffle tickets so we can keep St. Philip in the number one slot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, it's just a great parish. And there, there are a lot of other ones that, oh, that come in second, third, and fourth. And uh, you know, any parish that lets us in, I don't care if we sell one ticket, I am so grateful. Mm. And so we'll also be at St. Catherine of Siena Carrollton, Sacred Heart Munster, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas Pilot Point, which is the greatest parish just because it's named after St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, St. <laughs> Joseph Richardson, and Immaculate Conception Grand Prairie. And uh, uh, Cicel is getting our guest on the line, but uh, I know that she would uh, say, we need some Wranglers. Yeehaw! Okay, if somebody who can help us uh, sell tickets, uh, just email uh, kath at grnonline.com. That'll go to me and Sissel and just say, hey, I'll, I'll help you, you know, sell 15, 20, 25 tickets. You know, we had a lady come in today and bought 25 tickets on the, on the spot. And so we need your help because some parishes were not able to get into this year because, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but uh, help us sell tickets to your friends and your family and your coworkers and neighbors and all that kind of stuff. 
uh, great opportunity to evangelize as well. So, all right. Anything else, uh, Olivia? I've spoken a lot. What, what else? What else is on your mind? <laughs> well, you, I just sent you the birth choice number if you want to say okay. it. Okay. Do you have it uh, handy? I do. Or? Okay. I do. Let okay. me let me pop it up again here. So I want it in my contacts. All right. That number for birth choice Dallas is two one four six three one two four zero two. One more time, 214-631-2402. So y'all call about those tickets because that is quite the offer. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, call. Remember, if you just call Aaron Fowler, the new executive director, and say, I want to get a tour of Birth Choice, you go over there and he's going to give you a ticket. Can you imagine getting a tour of Birth Choice and you end up winning a Mercedes? That would be something. I mean... But you also never know what God has in mind for you to go to Birth Choice yeah. or talk mm-hmm. to them. I mean, there's always something more than we think we're doing yeah. <laughs> going on. So, all right. So call that number and uh, talk to Aaron and say, hey, they were talking about you on the radio, which we told him we were going to do. All right. With no further ado, let's go move on to our first interview of this Good News show. Uh, we have the honor of speaking to Cheryl Mansour. Uh, serves as Vice President of Development at the Catholic Foundation. And I got to thank, I feel like every every show I thank Bill Kula for something. But this guy is Director of Marketing and Communications for the Catholic Foundation. And you should see what he sent over. He just, he makes it so easy on me. All the information about this uh, end-of-life program that's beginning on February 1st, next uh uh, next Monday, and uh, they're going to have some great speakers, including uh, Father Tom Clorty, who's the pastor of Prince of Peace Catholic Community in Plano. Uh, Ellen Dorn is going to be a speaker. Father Peter Fonseca from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I've spoken to him before. Uh, Chris Taylor at Dignity Memorial. And also, Cheryl Eunice Mansour of the Catholic Foundation. So, <laughs> Cheryl, how are you doing? Good afternoon. Good to speak with you. Doing well, Dave. I hope you are. Yeah, well, good, good to good to speak with you. And uh, you you have done this previously uh, through the Catholic Foundation, and obviously it must have been a success because now you're doing another round of these same talks on on this very important topic, aren't you? We are, we are, uh, and we're looking forward to it. Um, it's a great topic, and it's something that people don't think about uh, very often unless they're faced with it, and we feel like it's an opportunity for us to share some information and experience that we've had through the years with uh, individuals who are contemplating end-of-life issues. Yeah, and I guess ultimately we all need to, because uh, we're all going to have an end-of-life ourselves, and also, of course, uh, loved ones, uh, parents and grandparents that uh, in, in, the, in the normal order will, will face that before we do. It's called, the, the seminar series is called The Conversation, A Catholic Perspective on End-of-Life Issues, and you, Cheryl, are going to be doing the last one. They're saving the last for, for the best for last. Uh, charitable <laughs> Legacy Planning with Cheryl Eunice Mansour of the Catholic Foundation. Before we get into maybe a little preview of your talk, uh, what has been your experience as far as why people attend these or what they get out of it? What have they enjoyed about uh, these speakers and this topic? I think it's because it's something they don't hear every day and don't see every day. Um, We have had a lot of experience uh, in this area, and um, it's a privilege to be able to help people if uh, the opportunity arises. And so that's why we are are excited to be able to do this again. Um, We have gone through the diocese through the different churches and deaneries to let people know that it's available. Um, And I think that 
it's like I said, it's something that people don't run into every day. And it's um, issues that they don't think about all the time. And so hopefully we'll be able to share some information that would be useful um, to individuals and families. And speaking from experience, I know that you don't, you don't deal with this all the time so that if you're prepared for end-of-life issues or prepared with charitable planning, um, it, makes, it makes the uh, journey easier for children, for parents, and for people with families that um, would experience some help along the way. Yeah, Cheryl Mansour is my guest. Uh, she serves as Vice President of Development for the Catholic Foundation. Their website, real easy to remember, catholicfoundation.com. We're talking about the End of Life Seminar Series called The Conversation, a Catholic Perspective on End-of-Life Issues. There's going to be five of these free seminars beginning next Monday, February 1st, and then there's one on February 4th, 8th, and then two on the 11th, including uh, Cheryl's, which is called Charitable Legacy Planning, uh, with Cheryl Mansour of the Catholic Foundation. Uh, Cheryl, last week we had a live remote broadcast, I think it was Tuesday, out at Charlie Creoles in Dallas, and Matt Kramer, uh, your, your president there of the Catholic Foundation, was on with us, and he, kind of, he said that the Catholic Foundation ha- has had a strong performance. I think he said 2019 was the best year ever, and then last year you guys were able to do well despite uh, you know all the setbacks with COVID. And connect the webinar that we're talking about here and how that can help connect people with, uh, you know, they have a a passion for charitable giving and helping uh, folks in the Dallas Diocese. Right, Dave. Well, hopefully um, the webinar would raise awareness of the Catholic Foundation and would let people know that we are there to help them with their charitable giving. And people have been very charitable these past couple of years. They've really risen to the occasion to um, help meet the needs out there in the community. It's uh, very encouraging and very heartwarming to see uh, the reaction of these last two years that people have made wonderful contributions and um, have also recommended grants to some uh, a lot of very worthy and helpful organizations. So through the webinar, we're hoping that people will learn a little bit more about the Catholic Foundation and what we do and how we can help them uh, with their charitable planning and financial planning. Um, We don't give legal advice or investment advice, but we're there to give charitable advice. We've had a lot of experience in the area. We've been around over 65 years, and so um, some people know about the foundation, but a lot of people don't. So hopefully through this webinar, it would uh, raise the awareness and uh, give people some insight into what we can do to help them. All right, so uh, Charitable Legacy Planning with Cheryl Eunice is going to be the last one. Also, Funeral Service and Cemetery Planning with Chris Taylor at Dignity Memorial the same day, February 11th, uh, Feast Day of Our Lady Lords that day. Um, Principles of Catholic Bioethics with uh, Father Peter Fonseca of the Archdiocese of St. Louis is February 8th. And then Legal Considerations, Ensuring Your Wishes Are Followed with Ellen Eisenlor Dorn 
with the law office of Ellen Eisenlor Dorn. And then the first one next Monday, Pastoral Care of the Sick and Dying with Father Tom Cloherty of Prince of Peace Catholic Community in Plano. In fact, he's going to be on with us next Monday at 1230. Um, and uh, we'll speak more about uh, that topic as well. Uh, Cheryl, could you, yours is uh, still a, a, a couple weeks off. Um, could you give our listeners a little preview of some of the things that you're going to talk about considering charitable legacy planning? Sure. Well, we will discuss how to go about planning their charitable legacy and uh, or part of their and uh, as part of their financial and estate plans. It's never too late to start your planning, and um, we've got different ways that and different charitable tools that people would might find interesting that would fit in with their situation. And um, and giving to charity is sometimes can be a little bit difficult to do it wisely. Um, and we've got different methods and different ways that people can do that to make it effective and to create an endowment that would support charities, their favorite charities, uh, for years to come. Um, we've got... Uh, several different examples um, that people might find interesting that they may not think about um, on their own if they hear a story of what someone else has done that might spark uh, an idea in their mind of something that they could do. So I know we don't have a lot of time to get into all of it, but um, hopefully during that period of time we can give some information that uh, people might find useful. Uh, in their own um, in their own planning. Yeah, and these webinars are live, and are they interactive? Can people ask questions during it, or is it more of a presentation type of uh, type of um, event? Or how 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 will it look? Well, the beginning of it is a presentation, and then we leave time for questions and answers. And we encourage people to ask questions, and we can answer them the best we can. Hmm. Um, so um, it's a little of both. Who, who's the, uh, the the typical person that, not only for your talk, your presentation, your webinar, but for all these, um, is this mostly for older people, younger people, middle-aged, uh, anybody too old uh, to get into uh, <laughs> charitable gift legacy planning or too young? Or I'm guessing it's all the, anybody can certainly learn about it, but uh, uh, there, there's no, no age requirement or even financial requirement uh, to start planning, right? No, you're correct. You're correct. It's for everybody. <laughs> and um, you're never too old and you're really never too young. Um, legacy planning involves having a will, and everybody should have a will uh, so that they can have a say in where their assets um, and their belongings go to their family or loved ones and, uh, and to charity. So... Um, like I said, you're not too young and you're not too old. <laughs> and, you know, um, the, the the charitable planning and doing what you're talking about, it's, it's, in, it's in, an interesting connection with, like, funeral planning or end of life, because sometimes it's the kind of thing that, uh, yeah, I'll get to that next week, I'll get it to it next year. Mm-hmm. By golly, that's going to be my New Year's resolution next year, and you just keep putting it off and off and off. And so uh, what, what advice would you have for somebody listening? And they, they want to establish a charitable gift plan, but uh, they just for whatever reason, haven't set aside the time to do it. Uh, what, what would be the first step? Well, the first step would be to talk to a professional advisor 
um, and um, get an idea of uh, what your options are. And then for the charitable part, you can talk to someone at the Catholic Foundation to find out what the different charitable giving tools are there. And, um, and to remember, as long as you're still alive, you can always change it. You can always change your mind. You can always change the charity. You can always take a different approach. Um, so it's not something that if you put something down on paper today that that's going to be um, written in stone because it's not. So uh, just remember that uh, getting it down on paper is good. You can always change your mind. and um, But it's good to go ahead and get started. Uh, and probably the first step is talk to an advisor, talk to someone at the foundation on the charitable part, and uh, find out what the options are because there are a lot of different charitable giving tools that people can use that they may not be aware of. So uh, that's what we hope that we can impart to people that we visit with. And we'd be happy to visit with anyone. There is never an obligation just to explore the possibilities of what's out there. Yeah, so you can contact uh, Cheryl at uh, the well, CatholicFoundation.com is the website. And, of course, you can tune in and uh, participate in the February 11th uh, webinar that she's going to be hosting, Charitable Legacy Planning with Cheryl Eunice Mansour of the Catholic Foundation, and the other four as well. The first one will be next Monday and uh, I should say they begin at seven o'clock in the evening. No, 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 eight o'clock. I'm sorry. Eight, from seven, <laughs> from seven to eight. Okay. I had it. The two bookends. Okay. Begins at seven, goes to eight o'clock. And the, right. the first one is next Monday evening, uh, CatholicFoundation.com. And again, Father Tom Cloherty is going to be with us, uh, right about this time next week as well. Uh, Cheryl, I have one other follow up comment, but anything mm-hmm. else that you would like to mention to our listeners about this that we haven't touched on yet? Well, um, I think we've covered a lot of it, but I wanted to say that I think um, it, you would find it very interesting and topics probably that you don't think about all the time. Um, I, I think people would learn a lot and uh, learn a lot of things that they were not aware of before. Um, it's always good to uh, keep keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on and especially when it comes to your family and your legacy and it's uh it's always wonderful to be able to give yourself a peace of mind if you go ahead and uh create a legacy of sorts um charitable or otherwise so it's uh there are different things that people need to think about and they usually don't think about it on a daily basis, that's for sure. So hopefully the webinar might spur some interest into things that you should probably um, think about and act on. So we're hoping that this might be an avenue for people to, um, to do that. All right. Very good. Well, I do invite everybody to uh, visit the website, catholicfoundation.com. The first of these webinars will be next Monday, 7 o'clock, with Father Tom Cloherty of Prince of Peace Catholic Community in Plano, talking about pastoral care of the sick and dying. And you can see the rundown of the other ones as well that we mentioned, including the last one, Charitable Legacy Planning with Cheryl Eunice Mansour 
of the Catholic Foundation on February 11th. And Cheryl, I want to thank you for being a guest. Also, thanks to Bill Kula. And, you know, we've always had such a, a wonderful, wonderful relationship with the Catholic Foundation. And you all recently um, provided us with a Roger Staubach autographed football that we were originally going to use for a uh, silent auction, and we ended up using it last week at four of our live remote broadcasts, and there was tremendous interest, and we were able to raise a lot of money for Catholic Radio with this football. So I want to I thank you all for that, and we drew the winner, and uh, I, I haven't heard back from him yet. I actually know him. Uh, Chris Warner was the winner, right, Cecil? And so we got to get that uh, football into, to, and I don't know what role you had with the, uh, the, the Stallback football, Cheryl, but uh, you guys were great, and I appreciate uh, everything you all do with the Catholic Foundation. So thank you. Well, we appreciate you too, Dave. Thank you for always being so supportive of our work and what we do, and um, we are happy to help. And if you get a chance, thank Roger and Mary for the football. I was just the... The go between. Yeah, so, I think he's uh, a regular listener of this program, so you know, I think he knows. <laughs> good, yeah, good. Uh, sure. I, I had an opportunity to interview Marianne one time, but I've not. I met Roger one on one occasion, but I have not interviewed him. I'd love to interview a long interview about the Hail Mary Pass sometime, but I'll, that's a whole that's a whole other interview. So, all right, Cheryl, thanks so much. Great talking with you as always. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate it very much. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Uh, Cheryl uh, Mansour from the Catholic Foundation. There again, catholicfoundation.com is the website. All right. Uh, we have the new uh, president of the University of Dallas, uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford, who has uh, been doing this for, gosh, uh, how many, many years now. And uh, he has uh, a guest with him that we're going to talk a little bit about his new role as president, which I don't think has begun yet. And also his guest is Dr. Jeffrey Lehman, professor of humanities and graduate director of classical education at the University of Dallas. So quick break, and we'll come back with that right after this. Join the Diocese of Dallas and the University of Dallas for Faith Connect by UDMC, a series of free virtual workshops happening monthly through June. Topics include faithful citizenship, reading the Bible at home, combating racism in our communities, and many more. This online series will provide you the time and space to reflect and grow while engaging different perspectives along the way. Leave inspired and empowered to live your faith in answer to today's challenges rather than in spite of them. Learn more at udallas.edu backslash faithconnect. Hello, my name is Bill Mertz. My wife Liz and I own Master Tech Auto Repair in Plano. We're proud sponsors of Catholic Radio. Our family has been parishioners of St. Gabriel's and McKinney for many years. Master Tech is a full-service auto repair. From oil changes to complete engine replacement, our transmission service. We're located just across the street from St. Mark's Parish in Plano. You can contact us at 972-578-1841 or www.mastertechplano.com. Thank you, and may you have a blessed day. Three little pigs were listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN and heard that the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. So they went to grnonline.com, bought five tickets for $100, and waited for their name to be drawn. The end. So, who's your favorite GRN station manager? I like them all, but especially Joe McLean. Confessions at 5. Hi, my name is Jake. 
My brother Gerald and I are simply real estate investors and sponsors of KATH 910AM. Our team, along with partners, specialize in helping you and your neighbors in distressed situations by buying distressed homes. In doing so, we enjoy revitalizing the neighborhoods and giving back to the community. The number to call is 682-317-9330, or you can simply visit us at 911myhouse.com. Our lady was a mother in need turned away at the end, as are so many mothers today who have courageously chosen life. Project Gabriel stands in the gap to help mothers in need with emotional, spiritual, and practical support. You can become a part of this beautiful ministry at the next Gabriel Angel Training on January 30th. For more information and the required online registration, visit ProLifeDallas.org or call 972-267-LIFE. Is your facility in need of additional meeting or classroom space, but there's no room in the budget to add on to the building? I'm Glenn Trahan, owner of Modern Fold Door and Specialties and proud sponsor of KATH 910 AM. Modern Fold Door and Specialties can solve your space division problems by installing operable walls to create additional spaces. We also provide repair and service. You can contact us at 214-357-2572 for a free consultation or trwfamily.com. God bless. Welcome back to the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you're with us. Uh, thanks to Cheryl Mansour there. And also Olivia has left the building now and she's uh, processing credit cards and all the, the ticket sales from the weekend uh, for the car raffle. And uh, have in studio now uh, the... I, uh, the 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 new well, not 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 quite the, the, yet. I said new, newly uh, not newly appointed. Newly appointed, not that's yet. Right. Okay, that's so you're right. not July, the president. July first, uh, I'll be the president. Okay, well that's yeah. that's uh, a ways from now. I didn't realize it was that long. It's, why it's, so? It's, why so long? It's a, it's a long ramp. It's true, but it's okay. so I can close out all the work that needs to be done coming out of the provost office, and and we can line up new leadership in the, okay. in the areas that need it, and and it gives the outgoing president uh, Tom Hibbs some time to to build a new center that he. He's, he's hoping to establish at the University of Dallas okay. that focuses on on issues of Catholicism and ethics and culture. Yeah, so, I, I, I've been asked a number of times because people know of your association with the station. Hey, what do you think about this, Doctor Sanford? And, and I, I will tell you the same thing I tell them. I said he's real easy to work with. He's a gentleman. He's intelligent. He he's uh, he's great. So well, they they, they picked a, a good guy. I kind of well, wish thanks. I had gotten the job, but you know, you, you were my second pick. <laughs> well, well, we'll keep you in mind next time around. <laughs> But you know, just a couple of thoughts on that. So uh, I think you you know, but it's not uh, broadly uh, known that I I I was um, a finalist the last time the yes. University of Dallas had yes. a presidential search, and that was just a year and a half ago or two years when all of that came to a conclusion, and and that that certainly was a big part of the board's consideration yeah. when when they were looking at this because it would have taken a lot of time, effort. And funds to go through another national search, mm-hmm. and they were quite convinced that they would come up with the same result. They right, really, right. they really wanted me to be the president, and and that has to do with work I've been doing at the University of Dallas, um, as well as as where I I hope to to take us over 
a very long period of time. So mm-hmm. my my intention is to be in this role for um, if if they'll have them, uh, if they'll have me, and God willing, the rest of my career for decades. Think, yeah, yeah. I think you're the, young. The, you're a young guy. Yeah, relatively young. Yeah. I, I don't I don't feel young um, every morning when, when I wake up. And, and, and <laughs> no, none of us and do. I, and, I don't and, think Cecil does. And, I, and I, you know, I, I do I do have a grand a granddaughter and and uh, yeah. a son who's almost twenty five. But no, I'm I'm definitely on the younger side. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. an advantage to that because it it takes a while to really establish the kind of relationships that. Can be so vitally important to mm-hmm. a university's standing, and and UD, as you know, is still relatively young. Yeah. We're we're sort of from an institutional point of view, it's it's as though we're coming into our adulthood now, and um, the productive years of our adulthood. So I I'm just absolutely thrilled that the the board has asked me to to take on this role of leading us into into the future. And, yeah, um, yeah. Well, congratulations. I I knew a lot of people uh, were were thinking that you might be the the last time, and of course they made the pick with Dr. Hibbs, and and now here you are uh, on July first, becoming the new president. Now the the big question everybody wants to know: Are you going to continue to be able to do this these these segments with us? <laughs> well, let me, let, let me see what the the new schedule looks like. But actually, I mean this this is this is a lot of fun. Yeah, and and it's an an opportunity to keep. Our, our local Catholic community aware of what's happening at the University of Dallas. So I can mm-hmm. certainly see a number of reasons to uh, continue to be engaged in, in this radio show. I think show. that was so, a yes, wasn't it, Cecil? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, you know, it, was, uh, it was a lawyer, <laughs> a lawyerly yes. I mean, we right? had to record it now. You kind of hedged a little bit, but I think it was what I heard was yes. Uh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. What, what God's will be done, and if there's somebody else that needs to do it in your place, uh, uh, fine. Uh, and I know you've got a guest, Dr. Lehman. We want to get to him. I, just uh, um, one other question. Well, what's the what's the overall role of a, of a president? Mm-hmm. Uh, will you still have any classroom time? Time. Uh, now you're provost. Or right. what, what, what's the, you know, the, the the role of a president primarily? Yeah. So you know, as as provost, I'm I'm over more than a typical provost already, and and so you know, the president speaking organizationally is is sort of like the CEO of of the university, although that's a corporate model and and not entirely appropriate to the presidential role. But it will be my job to oversee every facet of what happens within the university, as well as all of our external relations. And so um, it it will be moving up to a a higher level, so to speak. I won't be in the weeds in the same way I am right now with everything that's happening within the academic realm of the university, student life, athletics. I will be taking I'm right now over campus ministry um, and the chaplain's office. I will continue to be so uh, as a lay president of a Catholic university. I think it's really important to have a, a tight relationship with with the the um, the chaplain's office. Uh, we have an outstanding chaplain, Father Thomas Moore Barba, mm-hmm. and a really dynamic campus ministry office. We've got focused missionaries on campus, and I, I want to continue to see uh, vibrancy in that area and, yeah. and work closely. Um, so I, I will be more outward facing. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been very inward facing in the role of the provost. Um, I still will need to have one one eye, so to speak, on on the internal operations. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I've done over the last year is develop a new strategic plan for the University of Dallas, working with with all of our our constituents. And um, we're going to be rolling that out. And it's, it's a plan that hits upon the fundamental features of who we are. It's a reaffirmation of our, of our mission as a Catholic and liberal arts university. And it's an opportunity to really emphasize ways in which we can be of greater service to church and country and build up the character 
intellectual, moral, and spiritual of our students. So I'm, I'm eager to get started with that work. All right. Uh, so you got about five and a half uh, months or so until you start. Uh, so plenty That's of time right. to, to ramp it up. And I'd love to, you know, in, in between now and then, just sit down with you and do a longer interview as maybe as we get into the summer and uh-huh. just talk about, you know, what the plans are. Great. But uh, we can we can schedule that uh, going forward. But uh, Look forward to that. All right. Uh, well, thank you again. Congratulations uh, to Dr. Jonathan Sanford. He is the uh, he will be the president as yeah. of July 1st. He's been appointed uh, by the school board of directors, I guess, as the, right. the new president. So uh, congratulations to him and also to Dr. Hibbs, who has taken on a new role at the university as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Dr. Lehman's your guest today. We'll get him. He's been patiently waiting on the phone. So he's with us now. Hello, yes, indeed. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Dr. Lehman. I'm sorry for the long delay there. Unusual no problem at all. <laughs> uh, so thank, thanks so much for joining us today. And and. Um, as, as everyone heard Dave say, Dr. Lehman is um, he, he's he's the graduate director of our our MA program in classical education. He is involved in uh, many other facets of the work of classical education. He's a professor of humanities, and he he has a PhD in philosophy from the University of Dallas. But um, Dr. Lehman, I, th- I thought one one way to begin um, is is maybe to have you. Reflect a little bit on on how you found your way into this field we now call classical education, um, and and what what do you what do we mean by it? What's the what what what's the understanding of classical education that you'd like to to have our listeners be particularly attentive certainly, to? Certainly, certainly, yes. Well, uh, maybe it, it might it might help just to begin with a, a general account of of, of classical education. The term is quite common today. It's it's used throughout the United States and, and internationally uh, to name an education that historically usually went by the name of liberal education. Right. So uh, when I talk to folks about classical education, I, I like to point out the continuities in that long-standing tradition of liberal education. So uh, I don't want to quibble about terms and, and say we ought not to be using the term classical. That's fine and well and good. But to also be aware that there's this this tradition that goes right on back to the pre-Socratics. And, well, uh, as, 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 a, as a fellow so philosopher, as a fellow philosopher, I'm, I'm quite all right with quibbling about terms. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what we do. Um, and... And, and I and I too uh, prefer this this term liberal education. Uh, although that too is is sometimes um, people misunderstand that. And and I like your phrase right. "arts of liberty" as a way to express what's really at at the fruit uh, or at the root of of uh, liberal education. But anyways, I interrupted you. Sorry. Yes. No. No. Well, just to build off of that, uh, a liberal education, according to its etymology, is an education for a free person and. Uh, in various ways, uh, that education is meant to bring about freedom uh, for for each individual, for each person who is trained in it, uh-huh. uh, and that will include uh, the perfection of their nature. Uh, so, a great deal of emphasis is placed upon the formation of intellectual virtues and and moral virtues, and uh, and and that often comes about through a very careful reading and study of some of the great books throughout the Western tradition, mm-hmm. uh, starting back with uh, you know the Jewish and Christian tradition, with sacred scripture, of course. 
but also incorporating the Greco-Roman tradition, and then the various reflections upon the human person, uh, upon the cosmos, and on God that have happened uh, since those those remote origins. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's delightfully open and interdisciplinary, mm-hmm. and it's a kind of education that puts a tremendous premium on the perfection of our nature as human beings. That's that's great. So, um, it, and and. I think you and I would both agree that um, this kind of emphasis is um, really at the um, the source of of what we mean when we talk about education at the University of Dallas, both both as a uh, a liberal arts university and uh, perhaps even more significantly as as a Catholic university. Would would you mind? Um, uh, focusing a little bit on 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 that second. Oh, I would be happy to. I would be happy to. In fact, this relates to the other question you asked, uh, which pertained to how you know how I got into classical education and and what brought me to UD. And as has already been mentioned, uh, I did graduate work at UD uh, a few years ago. Let's just say <laughs> uh, I did a master's degree and and my PhD in philosophy here. And uh, at the time, I was not a Catholic. I was a very committed Protestant and, uh, you know, read the Bible avidly and, and so forth. It was at the University of Dallas that I first came in contact with the depth and the breadth and the richness of the tradition that we're talking about, one that is informed by the teachings of the Church, uh, that is not afraid of uh, secular learning, uh, mm-hmm. that places readings uh, from Plato and Aristotle alongside sacred scripture and the Church Fathers and so forth. And uh, my studies as a, a graduate student at UD really opened my eyes to this this beautiful tradition and led in time to my conversion to the Catholic faith. So, uh, yeah, I, I identify the University of Dallas in a particular way, personally, mm-hmm. with, uh, with my own growth and understanding of, of uh, the liberal arts and liberal education and all that uh, a Catholic liberal education is supposed to be. That's wonderful. So, you know, one, one, one of the things that you're involved in uh, very intimately is, is oversight of the MA in classical education. What yeah. we're trying to do there is to educate educators who are oftentimes at Catholic um, K-12 through schools. Sometimes they aren't. But what, what, what do you see as the principal aims of that MA program? Why are we – why are we putting such a, an emphasis on it, and, and what do we hope to see um, as the fruit of that work down the road, say, 20 years from now? Certainly. Yeah, excellent question. Well, unlike other uh, contemporary forms of education, which, which can tend to think of education as a sort of information transfer, or uh, all you need to do is get these content points uh, in the the student's mind, uh, and then we can tick off a few boxes, and and then we can consider that person educated in that area, Uh, that this tradition says, uh, no, says, yes, there is a content to be sure, but it goes much deeper than that, and it has to do with the intellectual and moral formation of the student. Mm-hmm. Because, again, as I mentioned earlier, we want to perfect them as, as persons, right? Now, of course, God does the ultimate perfection, to be sure, but, but there is effort required on our part, and education is one aspect 
one way in which we can be involved in that. So why such an emphasis on teachers and administrators? Well, because in order to receive that kind of formation, um, our, our teachers, our headmasters and so forth, they must have received it themselves so that they have it to give. And uh, what we found in the classical education movement is an explosion of, of interest, of curiosity, of desire for classical education. In fact, such a great interest uh, that we can't keep teachers and administrators who are well-formed uh, before the students fast enough. So <laughs> one of the things we're in, in the process of doing is providing that very formation for, uh, for teachers, for administrators. Uh, in some cases, uh, they never received uh, liberal education themselves. Uh, in other cases, they're, they're coming back to shore up uh, either you know, perceived inadequacies or limitations to their former education, mm-hmm. and to make them ready to go out and really deliver this education uh, of the whole human person. That, that's wonderful. Um, how, how, does this, how does this work out with respect to the kind of education they are receiving within that program? Because I hear you say on the one hand that we're, we're preparing these teachers and administrators to be able to deliver pedagogically the kind of education that we call a liberal education or classical education, but we're also trying to give them that education. So how, how, do, you, how do you find the right balance between the, the content-rich approach where there's, there's close reading, careful Socratic engagement, um, writing with, with the sort of pedagogical emphases that are um, part and parcel to the work of a, of a teacher and, a, and an administrator at Certainly. a K-12 school? Yeah. Well, we, we try to keep all of uh, those concerns in mind in terms of the coursework that we require uh, of our students. And so, for instance, uh, every student as part of the, the core of the program uh, goes through a sequence involving the trivium and the quadrivium, uh, the seven liberal arts, grammar, logic, rhetoric being the trivium, and uh, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy uh, as the quadrivium. And, and that, that was perceived historically to be the basis of a liberal education. So um, that, that's a kind of groundwork. And then from there, what they're able to do really is, uh, in addition to receiving content, reading the texts and so forth, we also have a series of courses that are more pedagogical in their orientation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as much as we can, we try to incorporate both in the same class. So, mm-hmm. so let me give you an example. Uh, there's a course called Plato and Socratic Conversation. Mm-hmm. So in that course, we read dialogues of Plato, and then after that, we look at philosophical dialogues from later in the tradition. So we're, we're uh, indeed reading those books, yes. But the entire course is, um, is uh, administered or facilitated as a, a Socratic conversation. Mm-hmm. So uh, this gives these teachers and administrators uh, practice and uh, a good deal of confidence in not only understanding that tradition of teaching and learning, mm-hmm. uh, but also of being effective leaders of Socratic conversation. And mm-hmm. that, that's one instance, but we could provide others. That's, that's very helpful. Uh, so one of, one of the things that has been quite remarkable in um, the last couple of years, at least to me, is uh, 
the way in which a number of schools, many of them Catholic, have reached out to us, have reached out to some other organizations within the classical education movement, and have asked for help transforming their school to a, a classical yeah. model. And what what do you what do you think is is the fundamental inspiration there, particularly for a Catholic school that that sees itself as as not yet uh, providing a classical education? Um, and they want one. What what is it that they want and see in this approach? Um, and 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 coming back again to that question of of the the way in which this this is a deeply Catholic education. Yes, yes. So, well, for 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 one thing, throughout the 20th century, for a variety of reasons, uh, what was Catholic education in the United States? Uh, became became more and more like uh, other forms of education. Um, there, there was always a Catholic component, to be sure. Uh, there was always some kind of a religion and or theology requirement. But in terms of the distinctiveness of the curriculum, uh, it over over decades grew to be less and less. Mm-hmm. And there became more of a distance from the Church's own uh, educational traditions. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen in the last two to three decades is uh, a return so at the same time that they're seeking to be more genuinely Catholic in terms of the education they deliver, they're realizing that historically what that has meant is that the church has been at the forefront of uh, providing and speaking on behalf of the liberal arts and liberal education. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of both and instead of either or, right? right so right. so you, you have this deep, rich tradition uh, that the church has participated in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go downstairs, if you will, in St. Peter's, and you and you look at uh, at the plaques that are beside the different popes, in one after another, you see that he was a great proponent of the liberal arts mm-hmm. or a great defender of liberal education, and it gives you this really uh, palpable sense mm-hmm. of the church's commitment uh, throughout the centuries to this kind of education, and, and in doing so, in no way compromising their Catholicity. In right. fact, um, in a certain way, enhancing it precisely by this deep and thoughtful integration of, of uh, the Catholic faith with all sorts of learning. Right, right. Well, that, that's a great point. And I always go back to, to St. Augustine, you know, in, in many respects, our, our, our most significant Theologian, most significant thinker in the church, um, and I'm saying that as a Thomist who uh, 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 recognizes that uh, Saint Thomas would not be Saint Thomas without Saint Augustine. And 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 right. what was what was Saint Augustine's profession? It, he he was a teacher of yeah. um, the liberal arts and a really gifted right. one and and highly recognized. And and he he did not see a fundamental conflict between. The, the growing Catholic tradition and, and the, uh, the Bible as the Word of God and integration with, with the liberal arts tradition, which, which set us on a course that continues to nourish um, our, our Catholic culture. Yes, agreed. And just to pick up on what you were saying there about St. Augustine, uh, among the very earliest of uh, extant writings that we have from him are the so-called Kasikiakum Dialogues, and mm-hmm. they're, they're called Kasikiakum Dialogues because of the place where uh, Augustine and, and his, his mother and uh, his son and a few friends 
went on retreat uh, to prepare to be received into the church. Mm-hmm. And while they were there, they engaged in what we would call today Socratic conversations. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, some, at least some of them, were written down. And it turns out that the content of those education, of those uh, those dialogues, those conversations, was Augustine and his family and friends working out this deep integrity between the liberal arts and the Catholic faith. Wow. Uh, so it's just, it's just beautiful to see because our earliest kind of robust attempt to bring together liberal education in the Catholic faith. Uh, came from those very dialogues uh, that they had as Augustine was being received into the Church. That is a a wonderful example to bring to mind. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Lehman. I, I'm getting, I'm getting the the getting eye, the getting the look from from <laughs> Dave. <laughs> um, and and um, you know, quickly, is is, is there um, where where would you direct members of our audience who want to learn more about liberal education or classical education? Is is there a resource that that you would recommend as a as a first go? You know, there is. Um, the University of Dallas has taken on uh, the Arts of Liberty project uh, among its various initiatives, and uh, it's a website. It's part of the overall website of the University of Dallas, so uh, just um, Arts of Liberty at UDallas. Uh, .edu, I believe, is the is the address. Uh, but it has a whole host of different kinds of materials, and and everything up there is is free. There are study guides for different books. There are uh, timelines, images, all kinds of things that can help you get your feet wet and and get your basic orientation in that tradition. Great. Well, thank you so much.